we're all protecting you. We have, we have all protected, protected you. you. About my marriage? About what you told us about your marriage. With the mostest? We you told us. Okay, I don't know. Don't, don't ever so bring so you guys around me. Let me tell you something. The only thing. If I want to see that, I would have wrote it. I'm not really sure what I've done to you, but I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hot and Bravo podcast, part of the Buttered Pop Network. It's Eddie Estrada once again with my co-host, with the mo-host, Armin. Armin, what's up? Eddie, I am stressed out. That was one of the most intense moments in Housewives history. I know I'm getting ahead of myself right now, but uh, yeah, that was anxiety-inducing. I was trying to start this positively because I was going to get into heavy, and you just came with the darkness. We were hyping up this fight, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it was not fun to watch. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, this episode we will be discussing Real Housewives of Potomac um, for the past couple of weeks, actually, since actually, actually for the past couple of months, like you said, Armin, we've been hyped about this fight between... Monique and Candace. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the moment that has been teased. Um, we covered it a year ago. A year ago. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, this was big news. Um, yeah. Whenever it happened, it leaked to the tabloids. And we talked about it on This Week in Bravo. We did because there was um, both of them, I think, filed charges against the other, which I think we'll see it in this season. Both charges were dropped, by the way. Um, but it was. Uh, while it was a defining moment in Housewives history and something that will stay with us for a very long time, I'm not going to celebrate the fact that these women were fighting because it was dark. It was sad. And I felt for both women and for all of the women on the show, uh, because I feel like this situation, it, it didn't have to happen, but it did. Um, and I, and in a, in a sense, I'm glad it did, and I'm glad they took it this far because it's really going to be a moment for them to reflect and understand and reevaluate their relationships and what they're doing on this show because I think all the women, this is this was a big kind of wake-up moment for them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it was it was not fun to watch. It was rough. I, I remember watching it the first time, this fight, um, and then uh, I was watching it with, with um, my roommate, and... They wanted to watch it again and just, you know, a replay. And I said, I don't think I could watch it again. It was tough to watch. It was so tough to watch. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it took such a long time. Like I'm thinking back on other fights like Kenya, Portia. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly, but it was such a blip. Uh-huh. It was like bang bang, like the megaphone pops out, right? Well, it was yeah. it was out the whole time, but you know, like Porsche finally snapped, and it's like bang bang, and it's over with. Yeah. But just how prolonged this fight was with like Monique holding on to Candace's hair, yeah. and you're like, is she gonna let go? Is she gonna let go? What's going to happen? And the intensity of it. I mean, it was ratcheted up to eleven. It was so so intense and it just felt like it wasn't going to end it felt like half an hour but it was probably 60 seconds of television maybe oh totally yeah i i did feel that sense of like prolonged fighting it, and it was mm-hmm. the holding of the hair and then even with the holding of the hair there was still like blows being thrown mm-hmm. it just felt 
very concentrated, but concentrated over a long period of time, which is what I feel is something we really haven't had with the Housewives fight before because a fight could be like not that intense or not that concentrated, but it goes for a long time where they're just yelling at each other and it's going Mm -hmm. back and forth and we've seen that. Or it's concentrated like the blip you said with Portia and Kenya where it's a quick fight, it's super concentrated, but boom, bam, it's a second. This was the combination of both which really, really made things uncomfortable. Yeah, like think back to when Joes collide. Yes. That's another one. Yes. It's like yes. a bang and they're struggling for a little bit, maybe like 10 seconds where they're trying, where everyone is trying to get the Joes off of each other. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah. This just felt like this stalemate. Like, Monique, get off her, get off her. Like, let go, let go, let go. And everyone's screaming and it's, like almost like this football pileup with like six, seven, eight people in the scrum, you know? Yeah, more like a rugby scrum than a football pileup. Yeah, pile than up. anything else. It was, wow, it was something different. And I just, I felt terrible for everyone involved. I felt bad for Monique too. Like everyone hopped on the anti-Monique train and I get it, like she was wrong to do that. But I, I don't disagree that, that Candace was an instigator either. She, she, so, which by, by, by the way, doesn't make, make it so that you deserve to, you know, get hit or anything, but I felt terrible for everyone involved. Yeah. I'm not going to take a side on this right now because I think both women are valid in their feelings in some way. I think this is just like a miscommunication between people where it's just, it's just heightened to a point where like they cut, it just kind of blew up in the moment. I, I do think that, um, you know, Candace was kind of, I don't think Candace, I, I think Candace was making a mountain out of a molehill with the sleeping thing when she already knew that her and Monique, I think she thought it was going to be like a cute, funny storyline if she kept egging Monique on about this and the friendship, it would have been like a fine and just a normal fight. But I think Monique took this very personally because of all the things that have been happening outside of the storyline on the show in regards to the trainer, Sharice, Candace's loyalty. Exactly. I have to agree with Giselle here. This isn't about sleeping or mom shaming. Mm -mm. Yeah. It's about neither of those things. You don't react like that. No. That passionately if it's about a sleeping accusation and a, a mom shaming comment. Like, come on. It's just not about that. It's it's truly is not about that. And then, so I totally see why Monique was kind of fed up with Candace. And she's like, you know, if you want to play, let's play. Well, though, I do not condone touching anyone and flipping the hair. Mm-hmm. Because that, I mean, that's just, I physical anything is just going to push someone to the next level. But it wasn't Candace who initially pushed Monique. If you go back and watch the tapes... As Monique is flipping Candace's hair, Giselle reaches across to push Monique away mm. from Giselle, which is when Giselle felt the pressure and she, or sorry, that's when Monique felt the pressure and said she went red and just started attacking. Wow. So I, th- and that's why she grabbed Candace's hair, I think believing that she got shoved. She got shoved by Candace. So when Candace got her hair pulled because she's like, well, she started this physical fight. I'm not letting her touch me again. That's when Candace started going after and threw the wine at Mm -hmm. Monique. That's when Monique then started hitting Candace because she was like, I need to get this girl to like stop. That's when Candace came back and hit her with the wine glass, cut her mouth open. And then that's when they were just kind of like holding each other 
and yeah. the producers came and pulled them apart, and that was the fight. So I just need to first and foremost say, hey, Giselle truly, I think, threw the first punch in this fight. Was Giselle trying to push Monique um, as an agitator, or was she trying to push Monique as a way to like get her away? Like you know when someone like tries to split up a fight. A hundred percent, she was trying to split. It's trying to split up the fight, mm-hmm. but anything physical when physical is happening, oh is yeah, just gonna it's fighting fire with fire. There's just gonna be more fire. Oh, poor execution all the way yeah, around. No it was doubt just about it. Everything. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you have to be graceful in that moment as the third party <laughs> mediator. Yes. You know. Um, have I ever told you the story of when I almost got into a fight in high school as the third party mediator? No. Um, basically, we're at a party in high school and there's like rival schools there, like my school yeah. and another school. There's actually a bunch of schools like present at this party. But, you know, it wasn't just like kids from one school at one party. Right. Yeah. So there's a little bit more tension. Right. How dumb is high school? Um, but there was a miscommunication. Some girl made, you know, said that some guy was trying to flirt with her. So then this huge fight started between like these two crew of like i don't know eight or nine guys um and so i get into the middle of it and i'm like guys 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 this is a miscommunication from my understanding this is a total miscommunication let's calm down let's talk it down and you know they're screaming back and forth they're screaming back and forth at some point some guy goes why don't we just fight this guy Ah. (laughs) and that's when i I removed myself from it i was like you know what it's and you're like, and I'm done. I do not want to be the chopping block in this fight between two other people. But it actually served as this like comedic tension relieving Relief. moment. Yeah. And actually the fight died down shortly after that. Hey. So, mm-hmm. that, so you truly See, saved the day. That's how you do it, Giselle. Giselle. <laughs> but I didn't notice it. that. Okay, maybe I have to rewatch this because I did not yeah. notice the shove. It was um I thought I had noticed something when we were watching it because we rewatched it a few times. And then we did, we, I actually, and I saw some people did this online after too, but we did the double pause, like the double play on your computer if you're watching like on cable or whatever on DVR. So it's like a slow-mo. So it's like frame, frame, mm-hmm. frame, frame. So we did that to watch it, which was easier to watch than the actual fight because it's, you're kind of dissecting it as opposed to like feeling the passion. But then other people were able to take that and put that online. So if you guys want to look online, I'm sure there's like, Screen grabs um, and stuff. Screen grabs and stuff because you can see the nails and it's all about the nails and the rings that can show you whose hands are whose. Um, this is like so the Zapruder film. <laughs> I know, right? It's like we got to, we got to, you know. There was a insane. second shover. <laughs> exactly. There, there's, there's, there's other hands in there. Those rings are not Candace's rings. Uh, the second no, shover so, from the grassy knoll. But I got to say, I, I there was a little bit of comedic relief in the fight when you just see Robin with her shit-eating grin in the back, just, like, watching everyone fight, like, oh, here we go, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which was so Robin, but I was just, like... Well, I thought the... It gave me a moment of relief. Well, I thought the funniest moment in the scene was the uh, moment after the fight ended. Ashley walks up, and you even get yes! the best Chiron ever. Like, Ashley returning from the bathroom or something Through, like that. For entire <laughs> fight. Was in bathroom for entire fight or something like that. And she comes back and she's like, this is a whole different fucking world here. She's than, like, what happened? Yeah, then how I left it. Um, because when Ashley left, actually, you know, everything was going really well. 
I think even Candace's speech started off as like, I love you guys. We're all in a great place. Yeah. So, and then she had to bring in the sleeping. And then she had to bring in the little snide comment. And wow, that went from zero to 1,000. Very quickly. In 2.5 seconds. So yeah, that was also a funny moment, like a little moment of levity. Yeah. Um, in a in a overall cloudy, terrible, sad moment. Um, I felt really bad for Monique, especially watching her interact with the producers. Because yeah. you could see the wheel spinning and she's like trying to justify what she did, but you could tell that, you know, there's some regret there. Like <laughs> it's not she knows it's not gonna look great. I mean but also, she's still in fight mode because she yeah. breaks out to go chase her. Right. Right. And Monique, more than Candace, was sticking to her guns on on the fight. Like, because when she talked to Chris, like, and he said it was embarrassing, she's like, no, like, she deserved it. She was even telling the producer, like, look, if you're if you're going to instigate, like, you're, if you're going to ask yeah. for a fight, then I'm going to give you a fight. Yeah. But I could just tell, like, there's some, there's sometimes you could just see it in someone's face, like that, that they maybe wished that things had gone a different way, and that's I could sense that with Monique. Candace was a little more overt with it. She was like straight up telling her husband, like she was she was crying in the car, right, and then saying, like, yeah, she, she was embarrassed. She was she was outright saying it. Yeah, I can't believe it came to this, but at the same time, we don't really know the extent. To yeah, to which the their relationship really devolved, right? Like, what's the story? What's the real story here, Eddie? Like- well, I think I think that's what we're gonna get. I feel mm-hmm. like in the next couple of episodes, when the ladies really sit down and discuss what happened, because it looks like they're basically gonna do like major sit downs to talk about this huge fight. I think we're gonna get to the source of the issue, and I think there's a lot more things than just the Sharice. Um, trainer drama and Candace's betrayal. I'm sure there's something else down there. I'm sure. And I, and honestly, I think it also has to do with something that like the way Candace like speaks about Monique and call like calls her like hood rat and trash and stuff. I think that oh, also yeah. gets to Monique. I don't think that's a kind kind things to say at all. Um, I feel like that might be part of the issue because that's something that Monique has even said is a problem in the past, and the other ladies too. Um, so we'll have to see. You know what really goes down but I think there's a lot more to this and I just I just feel bad for both of these ladies because I, you know both Monique and Candace are hurting in their own ways in their own forms and in, instead of just being enemies to each other I think hopefully this can be a moment for them to re like reconcile and reconnect and really find the relationship again I mean Portia and Kenya became friends again yeah hey we saw it well, I mean, I th- I don't think they're friends now again, but well, hey, they w- it was for a moment. This is Housewives. Yeah, no one stays friends forever. Jackson, uh, Sandoval. Uh, again, Bravo's a, a Bravo is an interesting world. Yeah, <laughs> and Sandoval like punched Jack square in the face, and they were friends by literally the next episode, season three, episode one. So, uh, speaking of Jacks, did you hear he's having a boy? I did. I did. That's for another podcast. I that's can't handle that right another, now. That's for another day, but I just I just had to put it out there. Wow, just another little Jacks running around. I'm terrified. Uh, uh, that I, you know, I had to break it up. Okay, I think we've talked about the fight enough. I, I don't want to spend more sure. time on it than is needed. Uh, I feel like we discussed it. We discussed what actually happened, what whose hands went down, mm-hmm. how we feel about it, how the ladies feel. Let's move on to the drama I'm more interested in. Mm. which is 
Well, there's actually two storylines I think I'm more interested in than the fight at this point, and that is Michael Darby and Ashley and Ray and Karen. <sighs> Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I'm ready for both. I think we finished with Ray and Karen because that's how the cool. episode finished. Perfect. Let's talk about yeah. Michael and Ashley. So last episode, we saw the whole breakdown of the conversation that they had at the restaurant where we broke the fourth wall. It was, wow, what a moment. Crazy, insane. Um, and then we had uh, this reveal that they had kind of had this like threesome. It wasn't an open relationship. It was more they had opportunities to play and explore within their relationship. Uh, so now we have the conversation of what happens next. Mm -hmm. Ashley said at the restaurant, if I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we need to stop having this kind of freedom in our relationship to, you know, make these mistakes. Um, it's not the fact that you were caught. It's the fact that you did it in the first place. Uh, and she brings up this idea of a post nap. And first of all, this is the first time I've ever heard of a post-nup. I've only heard of prenups. I've always said I never, I never want to have a prenup because I always feel like I want to trust and love the person I'm with enough <laughs> to not have one. But like, also, it's the it's 2020, and like, it's the smart everyone's, thing to do. Everyone's a scammer. Um, <laughs> it's the life. But I like you're like everyone's a scammer, including my future fiance. Hey, you never know. I could, I, I could get. I, I, I'm going to try to find someone. I can sniff a snake is what I'm trying to say. I can sniff a snake and hopefully I sniff the snake before the snake sniffs or robs me. Um, you want to do the sniffing before they sniff you. Exactly. I don't want to be sniffing no underwear. I want to <laughs> sniff them out before I get to that point is what I'm trying to say. I don't want to pull no Ashley Darby and be, mm -hmm. you know, pulling up, your, pulling, up your, pulling up your drawers after a night out on the town. But... Um, I, this idea of a post-nup, I kind of, I kind of think one, it's completely fair, and I think yeah. it's actually a really smart thing for their relationship because you know they they've obviously have some kind of agreement already, and it right. looks like that agreement. Well, she said she gets fifty percent of the assets. Yeah, right. And it seems like that's part of the reason why he doesn't want to break up. Um, <laughs> and he's like, you know, we've got this kid, da, 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 all these things, but it's it's really truly Michael Darby doesn't want to lose everything he has. Right. So this post-up, I think, is smart on Ashley's part as well, because not only would she get, would it be in addition to the prenup or would it be separate? Because that's the other thing I want to think about is like, does this post-up remove everything from the prenup or is it in addition to the prenup? So if she were to I'm leave, sure. him, she would get 50% off, 50% off, LOL, like it's <laughs> kind of sale. It's um, a Memorial Day weekend sale. Hey, Memorial Day weekend sale. <laughs> Ashley Darby's marriage, 50% off. Find out Old Navy. Uh, <laughs> LOL. But I have no idea when it comes to those post-nup prenuptial contracts, but I'm assuming she's not going to agree to any sort of contract that decreases the amount of assets she gets. Exactly. Okay, let's exactly. That That's the thing. Yeah. I, I would say what the post-nup should be should be the prenup agreement where it's 50% of the assets plus an additional um, fund set up that will have payments made to it for Dean and this new baby whenever it comes so that if anything were to happen, the, there is not any issue with child support or payments. Those babies will be having like payments already put in as discussed by the post-nup. Um, and Ashley will also be able to live a happy and healthy life away from Michael. That's what I would do in the post-nup. I don't know what they're going to do, but that's what I would do. I would want 50% of the assets and I would want 
basically account set up for the kids in case anything were to happen. They are taken care of for the rest of their life. What I loved about this scene was watching Ashley use her leverage. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she knows that she has leverage, clearly. Mm-hmm. Based on everything that's now on camera about Michael Darby. I mean, if they go to court, he's not winning shit. And he knows it. Mm-hmm. He knows it. I mean, at this point, I mean, this guy has now Everything's been, on camera. Yeah, all the accusations against him, being charged, this and that. He's finished if they ever actually go to trial. Yeah, 100%. You could tell she was confident. She knew she had the leverage. She had him exactly where she wanted him. And he mm-hmm. just looked broken. You know, he looked broken and he had to agree to anything she said. She could have said oh. 100%. 100% of the assets. What can he do? What can he, he do? Can't He's stuck. Do, he can't, exactly. He can't do anything at this point. I mean, at this point, it's survival mode. You know what I mean? It's if she doesn't use her leverage at this point, she's going to lose everything she has because Michael is clearly taking advantage of their relationship. He's not trustworthy. Like would, no, would you trust this guy to take care of your kids? It may be his kids too, but this guy, I don't trust at all. I have 0% trust in him. I, yeah, no, Michael Darby is an untrustworthy little skis ball. I don't know. He just makes me every time I see him, I just like, I, I don't even know how to say it. I just like want to like uh, projectile vomit and like shudder in disgust because it's like. He's, a, he's repelling. He, he's disgusting inside and out. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what it truly is. Is like, I can deal with someone who's like ugly on the outside, but good on the inside, but I can't deal with someone who's ugly on the outside <laughs> and, or sorry, ugly on the inside and pretty on the outside or ugly on the outside and ugly on the inside, like Michael Darby. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? You're like, if he was hot, I could maybe deal with his scumminess. But no, actually, no, <laughs> I couldn't, because that's Jax Taylor, and I, like I said, exactly. But you know, I mean, uh, uh, what's the mama, Mama Zula from uh, what was her face? Uh, no, what's her name? Uh, from Miami. Oh um, yeah, 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 Mama Elsa. Mama Elsa. Mm. You know, I could love her. <laughs> Oh, she was the she's, best. Uh, she's got that. She's got that concrete plastic surgery face, but hey, she's got a heart of gold. Mm. Rest in peace, Mama Elsa. R.I.P. Love her, Mama Elsa. Love her forever and always. Um, that was that was a good scene. <sighs> for for as dark as the underpinnings were of that scene, mm-hmm. um, she was basically reaching the light at the end of the tunnel in a way. Right, as long as she could get her kids set up, her own life set up. Um, but like you pointed out, mostly making sure her kids are cared for, they have anything they need, they're they're not, you know, uh, dumped to the side. Like, as long as she could get that done, then whatever happens with Michael happens with Michael. She could stay with yeah. him, break up with him, doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah. I, I Ashley, I realized I didn't like Ashley because I didn't like Michael, and I really like Ashley now. So. Yeah, she's cool. I think I think it was it was the Dorit PK. I want to call it the mm. PK. Uh, I I don't know the PK, PK effect. The PK effect, mm-hmm. where you don't like a housewife because you don't like their husband. And then once you can start to separate them, right? Realize they're not a singular entity, and that you see the husband for who he is and the housewife for who she is. It's like wait, the horn. Wait, okay. Dorit may be a great cast member. Ashley may be a great cast member. They are. I mean, Dorit and Ashley are really, their stock is rising. Mm-hmm. 
little by little. Gotta love these ladies. And I got I got um, the stock when they were low. Yeah, that's true. You see, you always see the good. I, you know, <laughs> the PK effect is strong. It's with me. strong. It's strong with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Let's talk about Karen and Ray. Let's do it. All right. So this is sad. Karen, yeah. Let's break this down for a second. Ray and Karen are having issues because Ray wants to slow down while Karen is ready to speed up. There's an age difference, obviously. Karen has been there for Ray his entire life. She has supported him through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Never forget the taxes. Right. That she even brought up last ep- or two episodes ago. I think maybe it was last episode or two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. Um, two episodes ago. Uh, she's done everything for this man. Can Ray truly not nut up and just support his wife? Like, I at this point, I'm like, I feel bad for Karen because I, when... I've- yeah, his whole complaint is, you're focusing too much on your business and you're not focusing enough on me. Okay, and this is an issue. I, I Once again... Watch the Paris Hilton documentary on YouTube if you have not watched it yet. But this was the problem I had with her boyfriend that was in the show was like, if you are married to someone who is a successful person or someone who has to be in the public eye, who has is trying to make business, who's trying to do something, whatever your partner or significant other does, you support them 100%. That's what being a good partner is. Yeah. You should if, be supportive. Have, exactly. If you want to have to go out and do press conference after press conference and press conference for two weeks and you don't get to see your partner, your partner should understand and be like, Hey, you had to go work. I do love to spend time with you, but I'm so proud of you and the stuff that you're doing. Not, Oh, why aren't you hanging out with me? You don't give me enough attention. That's codependency. That's not a relationship. Like get over yourself, Ray. Also support I, your wife. I know we only see like a little window into their lives, but it seems like Karen does find some time to do stuff with Ray and like celebrate him and like throw parties with him and, She's not totally absent. And, and like, that's the thing. You know it's like, I mean? she doesn't ignore him at all, but he right. doesn't even give her that little respect. Like, that's the problem is it's, it seems like he's used to her doing everything for him. Mm-hmm. And now that she can't do everything for him, he's like, oh, well now I don't like it anymore. She was my, she was my mommy too. And now I don't have mommy too. So mm-hmm. I don't want her anymore. That's not how it works, Ray. See, he wanted to be the guy heading up the business. Mm-hmm. With her supporting him. Now that the tables have turned, right, and she's a business owner and she's an entrepreneur, she he doesn't want to support Karen. Wow, masculinity is so toxic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get the life coach scene because Ray refuses to see a therapist. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to break it down or should I say it? I mean, you could say it. It's uh, Well, first of all, this isn't a therapist. This right, it's a, a life coach. And no, it's not even a life right, coach. Right, right, it's a radio, radio host. Yeah. Talk show host <laughs> true, who true. has people come on the radio and discuss their relationships and work it out. This is not a licensed therapist. This is not a life this coach. Is this is basically Maury Povich. This is me if I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to bring two people on and we're going to discuss your relationships. <laughs> that would actually be a good episode. Eddie the Love Doctor. Eddie I'm the here. Love Doctor. That's a spinoff pod we're thinking of launching. I'm shocked Karen didn't call me. <laughs> that would have been epic. Eddie the Love Doctor showing up on on uh, Real Housewives of Potomac. Hey. Let's make it happen next season. But, you know what? 
these marital it's, issues aren't going away, Eddie. So they're not going they away. And you. I and and I just Ray needs me to be there and be like, support your damn wife, Ray. Mm-hmm. Okay, be so partner, we get this Ray. life Sorry. coach slash no, radio host. Radio well, that's how that's how Karen was selling it. Remember, she's yeah, like, Karen was selling it, but I wasn't <laughs> buying it. Radio host. <laughs> the Ryan Seacrest of Potomac. No, don't even give it that. It's like the Ellen K <laughs> of Potomac. Well, Ellen K actually has like an illustrious career, so I'm not even. Getting yeah, that. it's like I love Ellen K. Um, well, like Maury Povich. That's what Maury Povich no. does. Maury Povich this has is people like on. Some B-ray, like I mean, this is a Bay Area, but like while 94.9, I was like thinking, but like, like you know, it's like one of those B-rate radios. I'm not, I'm not giving her as much credit as Maury Povich. She's not KMEL. Yes. Exactly. It's just like it's just. Come on, where did you find her? I listened to her on 97.5 sometimes on Tuesday. <laughs> um. But yeah, things quickly went downhill in this scene. Yeah. Um, do you want to break down basically what happened, which was basically Ray just being like, I don't know if I love her anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the crux of it, right? Um, she is emphatic. Karen is emphatic that she still loves Ray. And he's like, mm-hmm. I, I think I love her, but I'm, I'm not sure. I don't. I think I do. Oh, man. And how Karen stayed composed in that moment. I mean, she later breaks down, right? Mm-hmm. I have to say quickly before we talk about it, just loving the breaking the fourth wall. I feel like we've been talking about it nonstop because every franchise has leaned into it. Clearly, there was a directive. Yeah. That we need to have more behind the scenes footage. We've talked about it extensively. We don't need to touch on it again. But I just have to reiterate the basic premise of showing more behind the scenes because if you want this to be real then what's more real than the fact that they are both showing their lives and showing their lives within the context of a show that's being produced yeah and when it's being produced there's still going to be producer interaction there's obviously mm-hmm. going to be cameras <laughs> and the whole the whole production that goes into it right so give us a little look at that and we got it multiple times this episode right Mm -hmm. monique having an extensive scene with a producer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we had obviously producer intervention in the vibe do i kind of have a little crush on producer james maybe (laughs) and then we get this scene where karen hears her husband say i don't love you anymore or i'm not sure um and she stays composed until she goes up to her bedroom and, you know, she's trying to get the mic off and, you know, you hear her, you don't see it, right? But you just hear her break down and, oh my God, that's that's a devastating moment in someone's mm-hmm. life, you know? And for that to be caught on camera, for her to go through that in front of the cameras, in front of ostensibly a stranger, like you said, some yeah. fucking radio, radio host, host. <laughs> that's just really sad. And I, I honestly am really pissed at Ray. For doing that to her. You, you couldn't say I love you. You really don't love her? Yeah. Like, that's the hardest part for me is, like, you can't just say, yeah, I love Karen. I think I love Karen. Well, love should be unconditional. So if you truly do not love her, then it's, an, it's a conditional love, which means that you guys truly aren't in love. Because if the condition is that she waits on you hand and foot, she gives you all the attention, and she doesn't pursue her, pursue her own life, those conditions are not sustainable for a healthy relationship because it's a one-way thing. 
what you need is you had to have that back and forth and have the love unconditional. Just say, I love the person that you are. I love the being that you are. I love the way that you make me feel and the way that I am around you. Not, I love you because X, Y, Z. Which is why Luann and Tom didn't work out. <laughs> to be fair to Ray and Karen here, um, I think their relationship is on a different plane than Luann and Tom, who who did true, not even true, last one true. year. I know, I mean, true. I, I know. Those two are going on decades. I'm just, try- I'm just trying to say, being a conditional love is mm-hmm. what Tom and Tom and Luann. That's an easy way to think about it. She loves the airplane. She loves the helicopter. Mm-hmm. She loves the trips. She doesn't love Tom. Whereas where I'm thinking Ray loves the idea of Karen taking care of him, the attention on him, their relationship in that sense, it's conditional. Yep. It's not, I just love Karen. Which is so sad. Oh my God. This episode was bookended by two deeply upsetting moments. Yes. I mean, this is, if you, if your love is unconditional for someone and they tell you it's not back, mm-hmm. that is the most devastating blow I think that a human can experience. Yeah. But I have to say... You know, if Housewives is supposed to capture real human drama, few episodes in Housewives history um, has done it better than this episode. Yeah. Like I said, bookended by two deeply, deeply upsetting, really, really huge moments. Um, And the middle wasn't bad either. I mean, you know, you got got some interesting stuff there. With We didn't talk about it this episode, but Giselle and her father – you know, obviously talking oh. about her ex. Oh right? my gosh. No, we need to touch on that really quick. Mm-hmm. Jamal. I totally forgot about Jamal and the, the restaurant, which by the way, the restaurant's closed. Poor girls. Yeah. Something terrible timing. that restaurant. Well, um, pandemic. Well, also Jamal. I don't trust Jamal right. giving a restaurant to his daughters. I feel like something shady in that. Um, but Giselle's dad basically being like, he has like seven different baby mamas or something like seven babies from all these different baby mamas. I can't believe like, you know, he would do this. He didn't walk her down the aisle the first time. But then he's like, yeah, I'll be there for you this time. But then it's like, nah, I don't like him. It's that was huge because not only are Giselle's daughters telling you don't right. marry our dad, her father's saying, don't get back with this man. He's untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't love you because he has all these other women. But it was also a touching moment because even though, you know, her father isn't fully supportive of it, doesn't trust him, you know, uh, is still hurt by the fact that he cheated on Giselle, you know, yeah. however many years ago. Um, he's like, I'll I'll be there for you. I'll still be there for you. So that was He'll a touching for- moment. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I'll be there for her, but I'm, I hope she hears that hot mic that he said and that it gives a realization to her. And helps her see things a little bit more clearly with Jamal. But yeah, I mean, we'll this whole episode was was filled. It was, I mean, Potomac never ever lets us leaves us thirsty. It's we're always quenched. It's always mm-hmm. so fulfilling. But this is a Mount Rushmore Even, episode, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? What, what that it's one of the largest, most biggest episodes that we've had. Like a top Potomac four, history. top four episode 100%, ever. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, it's up there. It's one of the best. It's, uh, it's up there. I mean. It's. I want to just once again reiterate, though, I we're not celebrating the fight. No, we're celebrating the moment in history. But the fight was so dark. But this wow was one of the biggest moments across the franchises. Yeah, I mean, I I think both of us would agree that it was a devastating episode from the standpoint of it really negatively impacted a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Um, but this is also a reality television show, which is meant to capture 
again, real human drama. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, it is one of the better episodes. A hundred percent. But no, yeah, it, it was it hard really... to watch. I, like I said, it was bookended by tragedy. You know, it opened in a way that really made everyone feel uncomfortable and sad. And then it ended the exact same way. Yeah. The ending was arguably even more tragic. Yeah. Because it was tough. I felt terrible for Karen. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it's going to be, I mean, we're only halfway through the season. <laughs> That's nuts. Not even. Not even. Yeah, it's episode and nine. And I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to get more. But yeah, everyone's story is kind of in a heartbreaking place. And I'm just hoping, you know. All I know, I'm not just hoping. I know these women are all going to come out of this stronger than ever, um, and we'll we'll be here to report on it. So, I think we mentioned it all. We mentioned it all. Hey, did you see Bethany on Watch What Happens Live? I didn't. Week? Did oh, she mention it all? Garmin. She mentioned it all. It was she one always of the does. Best episodes of Watch What Happens Live I've seen in a very long time. All right, I'll check uh, it out. Also, her podcast came out. It's actually great. Uh, Ooh. Did listen to it. What's it called? Like uh, B something B? It's called like just B or something like that. Or, um, it's great. It's she's you know it's Bethany. How can you like? I love her. I gotta. Let's love her. do a little crossover event. Bethany, come oh on the gosh. pod. Bethany, uh, that would be my dream. Scorpio to Scorpio. Let's dish not hunt. <laughs> uh, but if you guys want to make sure you catch all of our podcasts, all of our recaps, we have so much going on. Make sure you guys are subscribed wherever you're listening, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher. Google Play Music, iTunes, or Spotify. You guys are on social media. We are too at Hot and Bravo. That's H O T in B or A V O D. Armin, you want to let people know about our Patreon really quick? Yes, of course. Uh, we just changed the price point from $5 to $3. We know it's mm-hmm. tough times out there, and we know you want your Bravo content too. So for just $3 a month, you get weekly exclusive podcasts, you know, anywhere from Bravo Battles, right, Eddie? That's a yeah, really which fun we have it. We have it. We've got an OC themed one coming up over Bravo Battles. I can't wait to do that. We've already done Sandoval versus Schwartz. Um, but yeah, we have Bravo Battles. We have the Hot and Bravo Hot Seat. We have the monthly mailbag, which only Patreon supporters get to submit questions to. So that's another yep. perk. Um, we have a whole catalog of episodes, over 60 exclusive episodes that you'll immediately get access to. Um, including our reality rewind of Vanderpump Rules season two. I, again, I have to stress it. In my view, I know it's it's something we produce together, but I think it's the best ever breakdown of Vanderpump Rules season two. We did like an over an hour on each episode, live reads on every single episode. Uh, I miss I miss doing that. I miss that. We that may do great. another reality rewind. So. Support us on Patreon for only $3 a month. You're getting at least four episodes a month, maybe more. And uh, you get to submit questions to the mailbag. It's so much content, so many perks, again, for just $3 a month, and you get to support us. So that's patreon.com backslash hot and bravo. And that's where we really mention it all. Mention it all. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see y'all next time.